You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcast series are based on 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Please tag a friend, let them know that we're alive. And and after the podcast, after you listen to the podcast, be sure and uh, share the podcast with someone else. The Bible said that the word grows, but it grows by you and I sharing uh, the podcast with others. You can also get the audio on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Listen, it's going to be a blessing today. Uh, I'm going to finish up a series that I uh, began a few weeks ago entitled The No Lack State of Life. But I have an announcement next week, next week, next Tuesday at our regular time, my wife and I, her nickname is Pete, my wife and I and my daughter, we're going to do a session next week on relationships. We're going to talk about our personal relationship. We're going to talk about marriage and just relationship in general. Listen, it's going to be great. And I want you to uh, pr- make a note of it. That's next Tuesday. We're going to have a special time where my wife and I are going to talk about relationships and our marriage and uh, my daughter Tiffany is going to facilitate us. We were talking at home, my wife and I, and she said something that really initiated this idea. Uh, we were talking about our relationship, our marriage, and she said that, you know, if people heard us, they could get blessed by what we were saying. So we decided we just gonna, we're going to take it live next week. I believe it's going to be a blessing. Make a note of it and share with somebody, and it's going to be great. Well, I'm going to conclude the series that I began entitled The No State, No Lack State of Life. No Lack State of Life. The word lack means to be without that which is essential or to be without that which is necessary. The word lack means to be deficient. It means to be behind. It means to come late. It means to come up short. It is not God's will for believers to be in lack. Now, in lesson one, I wanted to to take you through the word. I wanted to establish the fact from the scripture that there's such a thing as a no lack state. And we went through the scriptures and we saw that it's not, Lack is not God's plan for his children. Then we looked at Psalms 23 and we talked about the comprehensive nature of this no lack plan. Psalms 23 is a wonderful uh, psalm and we talked about it because God's no lack state is comprehensive. Men have five basic needs, spiritual mental, emotional, physical, social, and financial. And God doesn't want us to experience lack in any area. In our last session, in session two, lesson two, we talked about the no lack state and the pastor. Uh, That teaching came out of 
a question. And by the way, I am prepared to to receive your questions. I believe your questions fill in the gaps for us. So at the end of the podcast, we're going to answer some of your questions. And the second lesson was the direct result of a question that was asked. And we talked about the connection between your pastor and you having a pastor and the no lack state. Well, uh, in this last lesson, the third lesson, I want to talk about the no lack state and dominion. The no lack state and dominion or the dominion mandate. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the A part of the verse, that's the first part of the verse, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them, man, male and female, let them have dominion. So we see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, what we call the dominion mandate. I believe that that there's a connection between this no lack state and dominion. And I believe you're going to see it in just a moment. So I have two major questions that I want to ask today. The first question is, why God... Why does God want his children to prosper and experience no lack? Why does God want his children to prosper and experience no lack? The second question is, why does Satan want the ungodly to prosper and Christians to lack? Why does Satan want the ungodly to prosper and Christians to lack. So let's look at the first question. Why does God want his children to prosper and experience no lack? No lack. I believe apart from him, God, caring about us as his children, like any good father, Any good father wants his children to have their needs met. Any good father wants his or her children to prosper. Any father wants his children to prosper. Now, apart from that, we're not talking today. I believe that's very important. And I always talk, talk. Teach on prosperity from the angle of the believer prospering and the kingdom being expanded. But today, in this lesson, I want to talk about the kingdom expanding and I want to talk about the connection between the no lack state and dominion in answering the question why does God want his people? to prosper and have no lack. Now, let's talk about a uh, dominion. We see in Genesis 1:26 that God said, "Let them have dominion." So, what is dominion? Allow me to give you some definitions. The word dominion means to rule. The word dominion means to be in charge. The word dominion means to control. It means to possess. It means to influence, to be in charge, to be in control, to possess, to influence, 
Toru, dominion. Now, Adam is called the son of God in Luke chapter 3, verse 38. And God's plan for Adam, God's plan for man was that man rule and reign over the circumstances of life rather than allowing the circumstances to reign and rule over man. So God's intent was that you and I rule, you and I reign over the circumstances of life, dominion, experience dominion. He did not intend for you and I to be under the circumstances, ruled by the circumstances. He did not intend for the circumstances to reign over us. Now, let's connect this no lack state to dominion. And here's a power statement. When you own something, you have dominion over it. When you own something, you have dominion over it. Now, I'm talking in a natural sense, ownership in a natural sense, because in a spiritual sense, none of us are owners. In a spiritual sense, we are all stewards and God is the owner. But I'm talking about in just a natural sense, in just a natural sense, when you own something, you have dominion over it. And that's anything. When you own a home, when you own a car, when you own anything, you have dominion over it. For example, Mark Zuckerberger is the controlling shareholder of Facebook. So he, along with his board, can permit or ban users from the platform, from the Facebook platform. We saw that uh, in the former uh, president of the United States, Donald Trump, being banned from the platform of Facebook. Well, because uh, Zuckerberger, Mark Zuckerberger, and his board are exercising dominion, they're, they're influencing the decisions. They can decide who's going to operate on the platform, who's not going to operate on the platform, because when you own something, you have dominion over it. Now, let's take this in terms of the expansion of the kingdom. A Christian that owns a cable network, a Christian that owns a cable network, he or she can control the programming. The, the person who owns the network can control the programming. When you own something, you have dominion over it. In other words, you're in charge you, you're ruling, you're reigning, you have the control, you have the capacity to influence. When you own something, and that's, that's where God is bringing the body of Christ, and I believe that's where God is, is bringing Christians, it's time 
for us to own it. It's time for us to own things, to be in dominion, to be in control, to be in charge. Now, listen at this. Listen at this. Dominion. Remember, God said, let them have dominion. Dominion is directly tied to the amount of money you have. Dominion is directly tied to the amount of money you have. So the more money you have, the the more dominion you can walk in. The more money you have, the more dominion you can walk in. Dominion is directly tied to how much money you have. Now, if we base that off the scripture, we see in Genesis 1.26 that man was given a dominion mandate. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. In Genesis 2.12, it says, And there was gold. And the gold in that land is good. Now, now wait one minute. Let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Here God, he creates man and said, let them, male and female, let them have dominion. And then he creates this environment for man to live in. It's called the Garden of Eden. It's filled with all these good things and all these benefits and these blessings. And then just Seemingly out of nowhere, the 12th verse says, and the goal of that land is good. So we see that God not only created an environment, not only gave a dominion mandate, but notice he stocked the earth with gold because God understood that there is and understands that there is a connection between dominion and money, dominion and finances. Now listen at this. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 19. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 19 says, but money answereth all things. Money answereth all things. So when it comes to Things. Now, we're not talking about peace and joy and, and, uh, and we're not talking about that because money is not the answer for that. But when it comes to material needs and material things, then money is the answer, the Bible says, to all things. Money is the answer to all things things. Someone said, well, I don't see why we have to talk about money that much. I just, you know, I just think we talk too much about money. We need to talk about spiritual things. Now, listen to me carefully. Dominion is connected to the amount of money that you have. And I want you to get this. It takes money. Now, now follow me. It takes money to get the gospel to the world. 
The scripture says that Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 16. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for the gospel, the good news of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ is the power of God to salvation, the gospel. Now listen, it takes money to get the gospel to the world. And I'm talking to the church now. I'm talking to the body of Christ. And primarily, it's it's unfortunate, the church primarily, I'm not talking about any one church. I'm not talking about, I know God has great local churches all over the planet. But for the most part, the body of Christ is a broke church, a broke church, not a prosperous church. It's a broke church, but it takes money to get the gospel out. And it always has taken money. This is nothing new. This is not some special gospel. This is not something that we came up. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. It says that Jesus and his disciples was going through the cities preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. And then it says in the third verse, several women were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Now, notice here in Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, we got Jesus and his disciples going through the cities preaching the good news of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. But then in the third verse, it says certain women were contributing to Jesus and his disciples from their own personal resources. In other words, they were investing money into Jesus and his disciples. So we see now a connection between preaching the gospel, preaching the kingdom, and money. It has always taken money to spread the gospel. Now, there are several Christian networks uh, on the air now. You have TBN, Trinity uh, Broadcast Network. You've got Daystar. You have the Word Network. Uh, I'm on the Word Network. All these networks are, uh, they all have a vision of getting uh, Christian programming, getting the gospel out, and and people uh, hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. But all of these networks need money to exist, to function, to operate. All of them need money. Now, listen, I've been on television since 1994, and I and in every station that I've been on, they expected us to pay money to be on the air. They didn't give us the time. They expected us to pay money. In other words, if we didn't pay the money, we couldn't be on the air. There's a connection between getting the gospel out and money. Now, with money, think about it. We're just talking money today, talking about the connection between money and dominion. Jesus says, the scripture said, let them have dominion. But there's a connection. 
with money, schools, medical clinics, homes can be built in third world nations. With money, wells can be dig. And you see this often on television broadcasts. Ministers and parachurch ministries and Christian ministries, they're asking for money because they need money to carry out the vision that they have with money. Let's move from third world nations into America. With money, cities in America can be transformed. It takes money to transform cities. For example, one of our visions at Faith Chapel is to renovate a community near our church. It is our vision, a part of our vision, to renovate what we this community called Wylam, downtown Wylam. It's our desire to renovate the whole business district. It is also a part of our vision at Faith Chapel to build a subdivision for the homeless, a subdivision. Every time I mention this, there are people that, wait, praise the Lord, I'm ready to do it. Let's get on board. When are we going to do it? Listen, it takes money to buy land. It takes money to build buildings, take money to renovate. It takes money. We could do it next week. We could be again next week with the money. See, it's a connection. It's not just vision. It's money and vision. It takes money to facilitate vision. With money, uh, the vision of the local churches, every local church, any God-created uh, local church, has a vision, and it takes money. I bet every pastor listening to me right now saying amen. To carry out the vision of those local churches, you have to have money. Parachurch ministries with money, parachurch ministries and ministries outside of the local church, five-fold ministries can fulfill their vision. It takes money to fulfill the dominion mandate. Now listen at this. Faith will get us some money. Faith will get us some money. And, and I'm going to answer any questions you may have because, you know, you know, a lot of people, they say, well, you know, we don't need to just, we don't need to just talk about money. We, we need to talk about peace and love and, and, and getting folks saved. I'm trying to explain to you that there is a connection between money. It takes money to fulfill the dominion mandate. But faith, we can use our faith to get money. Faith comes by hearing. So if we're going to have money and if we're going to have faith for money, then we're going to have to hear teaching about money because faith comes by hearing. Faith doesn't come by needing. Faith doesn't come by desiring. Faith comes by hearing. So if we don't talk about money, if we don't preach about money, we're not going to have the faith to get the money. Now, listen at this. 
Haggai, and, and I got two questions already. Send me your questions. I love to have your questions. Thank you for your questions. Now, listen at this, your comments. I'm at the end of this podcast. I'm going to get to your questions. Now, Haggai chapter two, verse seven through nine, Haggai chapter two, verse seven through nine. And this is the uh, B part of verse nine. This is from the traditional King James version. Listen to what God said. It's a prophetic declaration. And I will shake all nations. This is God speaking. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, this is a prophetic declaration. And I believe that we're in this season where God is going to release finances into the body of Christ, into the hands of believers to carry out his dominion mandate. Now, listen at this. He says in verse 7, Haggai 2.7, and I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come. Now, that word desire doesn't mean what you personally desire. The word desire in the text means wealth. It means money. It means finances. It means material resources. He says that I will shake all nations and the wealth of nations shall come. It's going to come into the kingdom. And he said, I will fill this house. He's talking about his house with glory, said the Lord. Now, that word glory has several meanings. It can mean, and it does mean, the manifested presence of God. He says, I'm going to fill my house with my manifested presence. And listen, when God is manifested, his presence manifests, you're going to have salvations, people getting saved, people getting delivered, people getting healed, miracles, signs and wonders. He said, I'm going to fill my house with glory. The word glory also means wealth. And if you study this out, uh, the Bible says when, when Jacob was serving Laban, his uncle, when he was serving Laban, uh, the sons of Laban became jealous of Jacob because Jacob became very wealthy, although Laban was stealing from him, cheating him out of his wages, But God, through creative ideas, transferred wealth from Laban to Jacob. And the interesting thing that the sons said, they said that Jacob has stolen our father's glory. It was material wealth. So when God says, I'm going to fill this house with glory, he is talking about his manifested presence, but he's also talking about wealth. He said, I'm going to shake all nations and the wealth of nations going to come into my house. Now watch this. 
right in the middle of this, talking about glory, he says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, said the Lord. Now notice God says, even though other folk, and in some cases, ungodly people own the, possess the wealth in this world, he says, all mine. He says, the silver is all mine, the gold is all mine, and he said, I'm going to shake it, and I'm going to bring it into the kingdom. Now watch this. Notice the connection between God's glory and money. Well, finances, God does not divorce the two like us. We divorce the spiritual from the material. We divorce spirituality from money. God never does that. He connects it to his glory. He connects the money to his glory. Now listen at this. He says, the, la- the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord. I believe God is saying that there was glory in Solomon's temple. It was a wonderful place, probably estimated in today's uh, uh, equivalence to maybe above a billion dollars. It was, it was a, a magnificent, magnificent place probably several billion dollars. But he says the glory of the latter house is going to be greater. And I believe he's talking about the church. I believe that he's saying that the glory in his church, in his wealth, the wealth in his church is going to be greater than Solomon. It's going to be greater than that time. But here again, I want you to see the connection now between money and God's glory, and money, and dominion. Now, let's go to the second question. Thank you for your questions. I see you sending in your questions. Now, listen at this, and you can send your comments too. Listen at this. We see now why God wants his children to prosper because there's a connection between money and dominion. The more money you have, the more dominion you, you, you can walk in. Now, what about Satan? And, and why is it that Christians seem to deal with more pressure in the financial arena than any place? You know, if you, if, you, if you think about it and if you take a survey, and I know it's not possible for us to do every local church like this, But I believe if you took a survey of the members of every local church and asked each member, what is your greatest need? Your greatest need. Some would say a relationship. Some would say, uh, uh, you know, uh, my my marriage to be better. Some would say health and, and all that. But I guarantee you, When you calculate all the needs, I guarantee you that the greatest needs that Christians have in the body of Christ is financial and material. I promise you that is true if you you compile it out there. So why is it that Christians feel so much pressure in the financial arena? Well, That goes to that second question. Why does Satan want the ungodly to prosper? 
and Christians to lie. Well, the, the example, the answer to that is that there's a connection between finances, money, and the expansion of immorality and the kingdom of darkness. There's a connection between money and the expansion of immorality and the kingdom of darkness. Now, Satan is a perverter. He is not a creator. He looks at what God does, and then he tries to pervert it. He, he saw, okay, the dominion mandate, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. And he saw that all that is connected to money. So he said, he decided, if I'm going to expand immorality in the earth, if I'm going to expand the kingdom of darkness, then I need people and money. I need people and money. So what we have now in the world today is a perversion of the dominion mandate. Satan has twisted it. Satan knows that it takes people and money to support his agenda. It takes people and money to propagate wickedness in the earth. Now I'm going to give you some examples toward the latter part of this teaching. I'm going to give you some examples. I, I did, I, I checked out some surveys. So some of this information, I, 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 uh, I researched it a few years back. So some of the dollars may change, but you'll get it. You will get what I'm saying. The illicit drug business, the illicit drug business generates somewhere between $600 and $870 billion internationally. The illicit drug business generates somewhere between $600 and $870 billion in trade internationally. The porn industry, the porn industry yields $200 billion a year. The gambling industry in America, the gambling industry in America, Americans place legal bets of over $300 billion a year in America. The psychic and Eastern cult practices draws generates $150 billion per year. That's spiritism. Human trafficking for commercial sex or acts of labor, human trafficking generates $150 billion in profits annually. And I, 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 that survey was in February 2020. So when you look at the illicit drug business, the porn industry, the gambling industry, psychic and Eastern cult practices, human trafficking, that's just five, five areas of immorality, darkness being expanded. We could pull in a lot of other things from alcohol to other things, but just those industries, you can see how many people are connected to that? 
And how many dollars are connected to that? Because Satan understands that it takes money and people to expand his kingdom. So now here's, here's, here's what we got going in, in the kingdom. You got Satan understands that it's important to channel as much money he can into the hands of the ungodly. He's got to get money into the hands of the ungodly to expand his darkness and expand immorality. So he's trying to get as much money as he can into the hands of people who don't love God, don't want God, don't care about God. He wants them to be rich, okay? His desire is for Christians to be poor and lack. Now, the sad part about it is you have Christians who don't want to hear anything about money. They don't see a connection between it. You got ministers preach against prosperity because they don't have a concept of the connection between money and the dominion mandate. And Satan is sitting back and he's laughing at the church because he knows a broke church cannot fulfill the dominion mandate. He understands that. And Christians have to understand that because faith comes by hearing. Now, listen at this. The less money, and I want to conclude here, the less money believers have, the less dominion and influence they will have. The less money that believers have, the less dominion and the less influence they will have. Satan wants Christians to lack. Satan wants Christians to be broke. Satan wants Christians to always be thinking about how I'm going to pay my bill, how I'm going to get this, because he realized there's a connection between the dominion mandate, getting the gospel out, getting folks saved and delivered, and money. Now listen at this. Deuteronomy chapter 28 Verses 43 through 40. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 43 through 40. It says, the stranger that is within you shall get up very high and you shall come down very low. He, the stranger, shall lend to you and you shall not lend to him. He, the stranger, shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. My goodness. My goodness. Think about that. The Bible says that the stranger, that's the ungodly, that's the man, a woman, boy, girl, that does not have a covenant with God, the ungodly, the unsaved, he says, you shall, shall get up very high, and you, the believer, operating under the curse, shall come down very low. And notice he connect being up high, dominion, ruling, being in charge. He connects that with the capacity to control the wealth. It says he, the stranger, will lend to you and you will not lend to him. Then it says he's going to be the head. And you're going to be the tail. And that's what has happened. Satan 
is controlling the wealth in the earth. So the ungodly is the head and the Christians are the tail. That is a perversion of God's plan for his people. God did not put wealth in the earth for the ungodly. He put the wealth in the earth for his people to rule, to reign, to exercise dominion. Proverbs 22, 7, Proverbs 22, 7 says the rich rules over the poor. The rich rules over the poor. That's true. It's not poor people running our country. There are no poor people. There are no poor people in Congress. There's no people, poor people in the White House. There's no people, poor people are sitting on those seats in the Supreme Court. The people that are ruling the earth in America are rich people, rich people. None of them are trying to get their bills paid. None of them, you know, are, are, are trying to find out how they're going to get their lights turned on. And, and, and none of those people are in food lines. No, None of those people, the rich rules over the poor. I didn't say that. God said that. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, I didn't say that. I'm not saying barring is a sin, but the scripture says that the bar is servant to the lender. In other words, when you owe somebody, you don't own the house, you don't own the car, you don't own the bitch, you don't own this, then you're a servant to somebody else and they are controlling, they're calling the shots. I'm saying that God wants us to get to a place where we're calling the shots. Now listen at this. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 14 through 16. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 14 through 16. It says there was a little city and there were just a few people in the city. And it said this great king came against the city and surrounded the city and plotted an attack on the city. And then it says a poor man's wisdom delivered the city. But no one remembered the poor man. That's strange. The poor man's wisdom delivered the city. But no one remembered the poor man. That's a strange thing. It was the poor man's wisdom that delivered the city. But no one remembered the poor man when the city was delivered. Well, the 16th verse says, the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The poor man's wisdom. Doesn't say the poor man doesn't have wisdom. The poor man has the wisdom, but it says the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. So how in the world could the poor man's wisdom deliver the city if the poor man's wisdom is despised? Well, I'll tell you what happened. The poor man came up with the idea of how to deliver the city, but the poor man couldn't present it because nobody would listen to the poor man. So the poor man had to give his or her idea to somebody that they would listen to. 
and they listened to the person, but it was the poor man's wisdom. But when it was all said and done, no one remembered the poor man because it wasn't the poor man that was out front. Now that happens over and 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 over. It happens in the music industry. It happens in other industries. Think about all the creative uh, musicians and creative singers that come up with these songs and they got these great songs and, and all that. But nobody's listening to them. They're, put, they're giving their songs to a producer and the producer is producing it. And, and in many cases, it's the people out front, it's the managers, it's the, the bosses, the CEOs of the production company that makes the money, makes all the money. Why? Because the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Now, I believe as I close this out and, and go to the questions, I believe that there is a no lack state in the kingdom. I believe that we can all get to a place where we're no longer dealing with needs. I believe we can all get to the place where when we look around our lives, there's no lack, no lack. Now, there's different levels of abundance, different levels of prosperity, but the church has to get beyond this lack thing. And so we're going to talk about it and we're going to keep talking about it because we're in the season now where God is going to shake the nations and I believe that he's going to transfer wealth into the hands of believers who will release their faith for it. Thank you so very much. Remember, in our next session, my wife and I and my daughter, we're going to be talking about relationship, talking about marriage and, and talking about our marriage. And I believe it's going to be a blessing. You can ask questions and we're going to try to answer some of your questions. I believe it's going to be great. I have a, 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 a few questions and I have a comment here uh, question so what do you what are we so what do we do to not be broke great question what do we do to not be broke well number one you're going to have to you're going to have to respect God's word as much as you respect man's word and and here's what I mean by that. Man has a way to prosper, and man tells us you go to school and you educate and you prepare yourselves, and sometimes that takes years to do that, and, and, and man says you work hard and, and you invest your time and your effort. That's what man says. I'm saying that if you're going to prosper in God, you have to learn how God does things. On, uh, a few Sundays ago, I completed a series of prospering in bad times. In that series, I talked about the laws that govern the kingdom. Now I'm teaching about tithing like Abraham. The whole year, I'm going to, well, most of the year, as long as God leaves me, I'm going to be talking about godly prosperity. We've got to renew our minds and you got to be willing to invest in it. You got to invest the time and the effort to learn. People, here's what I see in, in the world. People will work one job 
And then they'll work a, another eight-hour job. And some will even add more jobs to that. But it's amazing that sometimes Christians don't want to spend a few hours meditating in the Word. Don't want to spend a few hours listening to the Word in this area of prosperity. You're going to have to invest time and energy in renewing your mind. And I'm giving you what it's going to take. But I can't give it in one session, but I am committed to giving you the information that it's going to take for you to understand how the kingdom functions, and then you have to act out, out on it. Question, why would God set up a monetary system during the time if Adam, prior to the fall of man, a monetary system during the time if Adam, prior to the fall, if the fall of man had not occurred, why would there have been any need for a monetary system because God is omniscient, because God knew that there was going to be a fall. But, but really, to be honest with you, let's, let's remove the fall away from it. When God created uh, the Garden of Eden, God created it in seed form. So, in other words, he gave man the, the raw material to, to replenish the world. He said, now, take the seeds and be fruitful, multiply, replenish, uh, and subdue the earth. So, God didn't, didn't give the environment fully. There were no buildings. There were no homes in the garden. There was no airplanes in the garden. There was no cars in the garden. Um, no skyscrapers and no computers in the garden. God intended for man to, to create, be a co-creator with him and, and, and be fruitful. That means to create something and then replenish it, multiply it. That means to increase it and then replenish, fill the earth up with these good things. So God put gold in the earth because he knew that there would be a monetary system connected to it. So that's a great question, but God knew the future. He knew what was going to come down the pike. And, and remember, he didn't create it, the earth in its fullest state. He, he created it in a seed form, and he intended for us to be co-creators with him. Um, question. You, you have, you're absolutely right, Pastor Mike. What do you believe is the best way to get people to know how important it is around money and reaching out to the needy? Well, it, it all goes back to my renewal, and that's the thing that God told me the beginning of the year. He said, focus on my renewal. When the mind is not renewed, it thinks about self. An unrenewed mind is an ungodly mindset. And an ungodly mindset is I think about me. What's best for me? Me, me, me. I'm not thinking about the needy. I'm thinking about me, how I can get ahead. When the mind is renewed, Romans 12, 2, then I begin to focus not just on me, but on God's plan for my life and God's will for my life, and God is a giver. God is concerned about helping people. So when your mind is renewed, you won't just think about yourself. You're going to be thinking about helping others. And then when your mind is renewed, you understand that you're a steward. 
So stewardship means someone else owns it. Someone else is giving you direction. It's not yours. When people have an unrenewed mind, they think the money is theirs. So I can do what I want because it's mine. I work for it. It is mine. Well, that's an unrenewed mind. A renewed mind understands that you're stewards. Um, uh, back to that question, uh, what do you believe is the best way to get people to know how important it is around money? Um, really, if you think naturally, if you think naturally, you see the need for money. I mean, we can't even survive in this, on this planet without money. Homeless people need money. They need somebody to help them. So money is connected to everything. Um, comment, Pastor, I love this teaching. Thank you. I'm glad you're blessed by it. Comment, I received that, Pastor, no lack in my house. Question, how do you know that we're coming to a season where God will allow Christians to become wealthy? Well, I believe I know it based off Haggai chapter 2, and I quoted that to you. But I also understand, based on just the information that I shared with you, how is God going to reach the world without money? I mean, think about it. How, how, how are we going to reach the world? I mean, there's no way we can build churches. There's no way we can build orphanages. There's no way... We've got to have the money. So God has a choice. He can come back to a, a planet where people have not been reached because they don't have the money to reach the people. Or he can cause resources flow into people who have his heart. I don't believe that money is going to flow into every believer's hands. I believe that believers who obey Renew their mind, because a renewed mind, you're going to be thinking about others if your mind is renewed. A renewed mind, understand that there's a purpose for the wealth. God wants me to be blessed, but he wants me to be a blessing. So God can't come back until we get money because we broke. Most of the church is broke. We're out on the streets asking the ungodly for money. We... We're not controlling anything. We don't control anything. Uh, very little things. We don't control any wealth for the most part. Not the church. The church is in debt. The, whole, the church is in debt. Most of the church is in debt. And I'm not, that's not a put down because we were in debt. But most of the church is in debt. And so the Bible says the bar is serving to the lender. So he, something has to happen for us to reach the world. He gave us a mandate to go into all the world. How can we do it if we don't have any money? We can't. So that's how I know uh, it's going to happen. How can I walk in God's grace that will lead me to become an economic evangelist? This has been my prayer. Listen, all I can say, it's going to sound arrogant, but I don't mean it like that. My assignment a part of my assignment. I know I'm a pastor, but I also stand in the office of a prophet. My assignment is to help believers prosper. That's a big part of what I'm called to do. 
I'm called to generate finances for the kingdom. So what I'm teaching won't just help Faith Chapel. It'll help other pastors. It'll help their ministers. It'll help parachurch ministers. That's a part what I'm doing. So all I can say is God has graced me to teach, but I can't make people listen. I can only teach. I when, when, when I found out about what I'm teaching you, I read everything I could get on it. I listened to uh, there were tapes at those times, CDs at those times. I listened to the CDs. I read books. I meditated in the Word, confessed the Word. There is an investment that you have to make, and I believe God is showing me the, and giving me the information to give to you so that you will know how to do. But it's not going to come in one lesson. It's not going to be, bam, I have your hands on, you fall down, and you're wealthy. No, it's a process. You're going to have to meditate the word, confess the word, act out on the word. And I believe if you'll follow me this year, I'll give you the information that you need. Praise the Lord. Thank you. I think that's it. I think I got answered all the questions that I see on my chart. Thank you so very much. Remember next week, we're going to have a special time talking about relationship. I believe it's going to be a blessing. Amen.